even before COVID, the longevity of Caucasian middle-aged men is in decline, right? And why is it in decline? Because of alcohol, opioids, and suicide, diseases of despair. I mean, we're really in, in big trouble. You know, technology should be improving our lifespan, but our lifespan is is declining. And a hundred years ago, men lived one year less than women. Now men live five years less than women. Yeah, I mean, that's telling. Right. So even compared to women, we're, you know, they live in the same society that we do, but we're doing a lot worse. All right, my friends, welcome back to another episode here on the Fit Father Project podcast. This is your host, Dr. Anthony Balduzzi, and today I am joined by guest expert, Dr. Judson Brandeis. He is an award-winning urologist and sexual medicine expert. He's a clinical researcher, physician educator, and a caring clinician and surgeon. Dr. Brandeis is a graduate of Brown University and Vanderbilt University School of Medicine with urologic surgery residency at UCLA and a postdoc fellowship at Harvard. And today he specializes in the emerging field of sexual health and medicine. Over the course of his 25-year career as a board-certified urologist, he has performed thousands of surgeries and pioneered surgical robotics. In February 2019, he opened his clinic, Brandeis MD, a natural leader in technology and sexual medicine innovations for men. Brandeis MD engages in ongoing clinical research to improve well-being and provide tools for men to live their best lives. Dr. Brandeis is dedicated to helping his patients and men everywhere feel great, look good, and have better physical intimacy. And he brings his wealth of expertise and care to his very first book, The 21st Century Man, advice from 50 top doctors and men's health experts to help you feel great, look good, and have better sex. And as a native New Yorker, Dr. Justin Brandeis now resides in Northern California. So, Super excited to have you here, Dr. Judson Brandeis. Thanks for coming on to the show, and let's talk everything men's health. Awesome. I'm ready to go, Anthony. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. And I, I want to ask you a little bit about you personally. I mean, we read through your bio here. What got you interested in men's health originally, and, and what kind of sparked your passion for getting deep into this field? Yeah. So, you know, I started out being really interested in kidney transplantation. So I did a year of research at American Red Cross on freezing kidneys for transplantation. I did a year of research at Harvard in the lab that did the first living-related kidney transplant. I matched to, to UCLA hoping to do kidney transplantation, but I, be, I became more interested in general urology uh, as I went through it. And I came out, I went into private practice, did some really amazing things in private practice. And just as a urologist, you take care of probably two-thirds of your practice as men and a third as women. And I always liked new technology. So I was very, very, very early in surgical robotics, very early in using MRIs for diagnosing and and, and biopsying prostate cancer. And then uh, low-intensity shockwave therapy started to be used for the treatment of erectile dysfunction. And I became really interested in regenerative therapies for erectile dysfunction, shockwave therapy, platelet-rich plasma, stem cells, those kind of things. And, and so I branched off from my general urology practice and opened up just a, a, a private pay clinic that really focused on men's health, sexual function, hormonal function, um, muscle regeneration, fat loss. And really, it, it just, it's become my passion. I really feel very strongly about helping men, especially men over the age of 40, live a better and more fulfilling life. 
Well, the good news is you come to the right place. There's going to be a lot of men who are very interested in listening to what you have to say. A lot of guys over 40 listening to this who pretty much want all the things you described, right? They want to maintain muscle tissue, lose fat, perform great, have wonderful energy, maintain their memory. And I know you're an expert in all of this. So I want to talk about that. I want to get into some of the things you think are important. But first, I'd like you to speak to kind of the current snapshot of what's going on with men today living in 2022 at the time of recording this, it seems to me at least that we kind of have an epidemic of guys with heart disease, metabolic syndrome, joint issues. Where are we at? Give us a little bit of a lay of the land right now. It's horrible. It's really, really horrible. So, you know, 40% of men are fat or obese. 50% of men have high blood pressure. 15% of men have uh, that are, are smokers. 12% of men uh, don't even have health insurance. Ten percent of men, you know, have problems with smoking. I mean, it's, it's, it's. There's carnage out there, and even before COVID, the longevity of Caucasian middle-aged men is in decline, right? And why is it in decline? Because of alcohol, opioids, and suicide, diseases of despair. I mean, we're really in in big trouble. You know, technology should be improving our lifespan, but our lifespan is is declining. And a hundred years ago, men lived one year less than women. Now men live five years less than women. Yeah, I mean, that's telling. Right. So even compared to women, we're, you know, they live in the same society that we do, but we're doing a lot worse. Mm-hmm. What's the hierarchy of importance of things you start to investigate when reflecting on your own life and starting to wanting to create a life of health and performance? What are some of the areas that men need to zone in on and fix? Is it mindset? Is it exercise, nutrition, sleep? I mean, I imagine it's a little bit all of the above, but like, where do you start? You know, I mean, the easiest stuff is free and it's easy, right? Don't smoke. Don't drink alcohol. Don't do drugs. Don't eat too much. Exercise every day. Do some meditation. Do some stretching. Be nice to other people. I mean, all that stuff is free and all that stuff is doable by everyone. But the thing is, we live in the real world. There are real world pressures. There's marketing, there's advertising, et cetera, et cetera. And because of that, you know, we're not doing the right thing all the time. Um, And so, you know, that's where the teaching comes in. That's where the the shortcuts and the biohacks and all those kind of things come in. And what I really try to do is I try to provide men with information. Because what I, you know, I've worked with men for 25 years. I've sat across from them and, and so have you. And you can't tell a guy what to do. Like if you tell a guy, listen, dude, you got to stop smoking. You're killing yourself. I'd be like, screw you. Who the hell are you? If I want to smoke, I'm going to smoke. So I, you know, for example, I had a patient the other day, 57-year-old dentist, right? Should know better, but he smokes. And, you know, he had a tough life. He came over from another country. He put himself through dental school, driving a taxi cab. And that was sort of like his vice. And he had two daughters. He loves his daughters, you know, and I always ask him about his daughters. And so, you know, one day I said, well, do you know how many years of life you're going to lose by smoking? He said, I don't know. I said, well, okay. Would you like to know? Sure. Tell me. I said, 13 years. I said, oh, okay. I said, do me a favor. 
said, write down on a piece of paper 13 years of life lost and stick it on the door of your daughter's bedroom so that every time you walk in there, you're going to be reminded that you're going to lose 13 years of life with your daughters. So, you know, acupuncture and Wellbutrin and all that hypnosis, all that other crap. I said, do whatever you want, but just do that one simple thing for me. One month later, he came back. He said, you know what? I stopped smoking, <laughs> right? I didn't have to do very much. You know, I just had to educate him of the consequences of his decision. Or I had a patient who's 25 pounds overweight. He was having a lot of problems losing weight. And he drinks two glasses of wine every night. I said, okay, great. Get out your calculator. I said, I went on Google. I said, how many calories in a glass of red wine? It's 140 calories. I said, okay, take 140 times two, times 365, and then there's 3,500 calories in a pound of human fat. So divide that by 3,500, and then you'll figure out how many pounds of fat drinking two glasses of wine will put on you in a year. So I said, okay, what, what, what's the number? He said, 28. I said, okay, so if you stop drinking two glasses of wine every night, aside from saving thousands of dollars, you're going to lose 28 pounds. He said, okay, you know what? I'll stop drinking wine for a year. I didn't have to tell him to stop drinking wine. I just had to educate him. What is the consequence of that behavior? And he made, you know, when patients make decisions on their own, based on the the true information that you give them, then they're going to stick with it. Yeah. But if I looked at him and said, you know, listen, dude, you're you're going to get fat drinking wine and and et cetera, et cetera. He's going to be like, so what? You know, really what you shared is powerful because like you said, these things are simple that we could be doing, but the follow through is where, you know, the devil's in the details. But what you shared that stuck out to me is a combination of two things. It's one, connecting to someone's most core values. So for example, in your first patient, it's right, being around for his daughters. And two, putting some numerical value to it oftentimes, you know, has some power to it, right? Because it makes something that seems abstract a lot more tangible. And then someone can go take action. And and I think a lot of the guys listening to this who are on our Fit Father program are going to completely understand this because one of the first things we do is we get them to write a mission statement before they start the nutrition plan, which basically is a journaling exercise to help them connect with their current behaviors. What happens if they don't change those? What happens if they do, and then kind of summarize that into a powerful statement that they view every single day or ideally very frequently to help build the neuro associations to health. And so clearly this is at the core of your work because we haven't even talked about any of the how-to strategies yet, but you're helping people really connect, I would say, into the heart and the feeling of the matter to really make the changes. Yeah. I mean, there's the, there's the, the zero through 99 percentile stuff, and then there's the top 1% stuff. And so I do both. You know, I have guys that that sort of do everything right, you know, and then I help them sort of push them into that elite realm. Um, and then there's the other folks that just need like like a, a, a push into reality. You know, I had a patient the other day, he flew in from Florida and, you know, he was talking to me about peptides. Well, you know, I'm on Thymusin Alpha 1 and BP-157 and so on and so forth. And I looked at him. I said, dude, you got to lose 50 pounds. I said, who the crap gives about peptides? I said, stop eating so much. You'll feel a lot better. You know, that's not really what he wanted to hear, but you know, it's what he needed to hear. You know, people want shortcuts. They want peptides. They want this. They want that. Um, Most of the stuff is, 
is simple and inexpensive and just requires determination yeah. and motivation. Yeah. And you know, I, it was really interesting. So I read your your website and boy, what a what a a compelling story. You know, I went on my hero's journey when I was 50. You went on your hero's journey when you were 10. Um and so uh, that that day that your eyes open to what your purpose is and you know, gives you that motivation and determination to really make a difference is the day that you really turn things around. Yeah, well said. And I, I actually think at the higher levels of health, it's almost like having that purpose and this kind of pinnacle of self-actualization, if you will, um, and, and, and really thriving. You know, you need to be connected to some kind of deeper purpose that gives meaning to the energy that your body's kind of cultivating. And for you right now, it's it's certainly serving and being a forefront leader of this men's health, sexual health movement and inspiring many people. And we're, we're definitely walking the same path. And what I want to do right now and it kind of seems fun thinking about it is to kind of like take a couple of the categories that guys listening to are going to be interested in. And I want you to give some of the more rapid fire, what is important in each category. So starting with nutrition, guys, 40 plus, there's a lot of like noise out there. What's actually important in your perspective when it comes to eating healthy after 40? Yeah. So, okay. I don't know that much detail. Like guy came the other day. He's like, what's more, what's better beef protein or buffalo? And I looked at him like he was, you know, had green hair. Like, I don't know any of that crap. What I know, there are a couple of things, okay? The sun shines. Leaves capture the energy of the sun, okay? And what they do is they store it. And the way that they store it is they make a molecule called glucose, okay? Glucose is sugar, right? But you can't have a whole bunch of glucose. So then... What they do is they combine those glucose molecules into a starch or a carbohydrate, right? And then you can store carbohydrates as forms of energy because if you're an animal, right? If We're all animals, but most people don't realize it, right? So animals don't eat that much. Or if you ever watch that TV show, Naked and Afraid, which is one of my favorite shows, right? Those guys lose 20 pounds, 25 pounds. They only eat like three times in a season, <laughs> right? Yeah. So most people think like it's the natural state to be able to call up Grubhub and get a burrito delivered in 20 minutes, but that's, we're out of evolution, but we're still, our bodies are still created by evolution. So all that energy that we're able to access so easily our body's thinking, well, I don't know if I'm going to eat in, in two or three weeks, so I'm going to store that as fat, okay? The purpose of fat is to store energy. And so if you've ever been to Alaska, right, and you see those whales up in Alaska, what are they doing? They're eating. They eat 23 hours a day for five months. Then they swim from Alaska to Hawaii, have a baby, feed the baby, and the mom and the baby swim another 3,000 miles back to Alaska. And they do that all based on fat. They don't eat in those seven months. That's the purpose of fat. You have to understand what fat is and why you have fat before you even begin to lose weight. Okay, the other thing you need to do is you need to track calories, right? If you're trying to save money and you don't know how much money you're making on a weekly basis, you're never going to save money. So all these people that say, I'm trying to lose weight, 
if they're not tracking calories, don't bother telling me you're trying to lose weight. It's, it's, you're just playing a game. And you have to know what your basal metabolic rate is, right? You have to know how many calories you burn through on a daily basis. And then you have to know that when you exercise, you burn 500 calories an hour. And then the last really important fact is that one pound of human fat equals 3,500 calories. So if you divide 3,500 by seven, you get 500 calories a day, right? So if you drop 500 calories a day, then you'll lose one pound of fat a week, right? So that's not a lot. So I always give my patients an expectation of how long it's going to take to lose the weight that they want to lose. If you're going to lose 30 pounds of fat, I'm going to tell you it's going to take you 40 weeks, even if you're disciplined. So don't be disappointed if after two weeks or after two months, you haven't made much headway. But if you know, okay, Dr. Brand, I said it's going to take me 40 weeks, then you have a more realistic expectation of what the milestones are along the way. Okay, so that's my... And then I put all my patients on a high-protein, low-carb, high-fiber, healthy-fat diet um, with micronutrients, and that's it. That seems to be the ticket, right? I mean, and I think another thing, a word of encouragement on that is when you're starting to lose weight, in our experience, what we see is you don't just lose purely fat. So in the first week, you may lose three, four pounds of just water retention, bloat. You get your digestive system moving a little bit better and you lose some fat. So you can start feeling better and losing weight quickly. But the absolute fat number, you know, takes a calorie deficit, right? And the 500 calories a day could come in many forms, you know, decreasing the portion sizes across the meals, eating one less meal and doing some fasting. But having the structure that really allows you to do that repeatedly is key. And that's certainly what the people on FFP here know a lot about. Now, with the carbohydrate, in your opinion, is it a keto diet? Is it a lower carbohydrate diet? What's your kind of take on that? Yeah, you know, honestly, I, I'm I've never had to lose weight. I've always been an endurance athlete, and so I, honestly, I don't know a whole lot about this stuff. But I, keto really confuses me. You know, I understand, like I understand, I think I understand what keto is, which is ketosis, meaning you want to burn fat, right? So the first thing in your body you burn is glucose. And then the next thing you burn is glycogen, which is a form of, of glucose that's all kind of amalgamated together, right? And then after you burn through glucose and glycogen, which is like when you hit a wall in the marathon, then you start to burn fat, right? And then that's what you want to do. And then there's two different types of fat. There's a more superficial fat that sits under your skin, but the more dangerous type of fat is what's called the visceral fat. So inside the peritoneum, so inside the in, internal abdominal cavity, you have fat in something called the omentum, which kind of hangs off the intestines. And that visceral or inside fat is really much more predictive of cardiovascular disease and other health issues. Yeah, for sure. And I think the research is pretty clear. It kicks off more inflammatory markers too. And this is right in your abdominal cavity, not necessarily a great thing. And so losing the visceral fat and guys who have large waist circumference may be indicative of some of that stuff is like, it's a risk predictor for pretty much all cause mortality across the board. Not great. So but with your background in exercise, next rapid fire category is exercise. When it comes to fitness, what do you believe is important? And what do you tell your patients about the exercise part of this equation, particularly people 40 plus? Yeah, I have a, a Brandeis MD male rejuvenation protocol where I kind of pull everything that I do 
into one place. Uh, and it, it starts out really with testosterone. So if you look at testosterone, testosterone peaks at age 20 and goes down 1% to 2% per year after that. And it's almost impossible to build muscle if your testosterone levels are low. And because of obesity, because of sedentary lifestyle, because of some of the crap that we eat as food, our testosterone levels are lower than previous generations. And it's really, really difficult to build muscle with low testosterone. So I check labs on every one of my patients. And if their testosterone's low, then I talk to them about boosting it or replacing it. Um, the other thing that I do is I, I work with a company called BTL with a technology called MSculpt. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I'm not familiar with this, no. It's a game-changing technology. And, you know, like a lot of people say, oh, this is game-changing. Oh, that's game-changing. I can build a pound of muscle per hour of treatment in guys in their 60s and 70s. Is it an electrical stimulation device of some sort? So it's high-intensity focused electromagnetic waves. All the E-STEM stuff is direct current. Okay, but direct current takes the path of least resistance. So first of all, it goes through the skin, and the pain fibers in the skin are very superficial, right? So E-STEM is going to hurt. And second of all, with E-STEM, with a direct current, it takes the path of least resistance, so it's very superficial to the muscle. Whereas HIFEM or uh, M-Sculpt, you can set a depth of penetration, and so it, it contracts the entire muscle and it doesn't hurt. That's cool. And and so you're sitting in this device and you're feeling an, a concentric attraction and eccentric, or just how does it, what does it feel like? Uh, contraction. So concentric, right? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, you can do biceps, triceps, abs are absolutely fantastic. Um, I mean, I have a six pack. I haven't done a sit up in three years. Glutes are amazing. Um, quads, calves. So this is called M-Sculpt for those listening? M-Sculpt. Okay. E-M- S-C-U-L-P-T. Um, and it's, yeah, to me, it's the equivalent of about 10 or 15 workouts. And so for someone like myself, I mean, it's not cheap, but for someone like myself that's got four kids and a wife and, and three businesses, uh, but just loves feeling in shape. You know, like I saw the name of your podcast. I'm like, that's the one I want to be on, man. I want, I want to be a fit father. <laughs> I think you already are. <laughs> right. And you know, like, like the greatest joy that I get is working out with my kids. I built a home gym nice. and, uh, you know, when, when, when me and my daughters or me and my son, uh, go out and work out and, and blast music and watch cool videos, I'm in heaven. That's like the best. Yeah. Couldn't be better. I love that. And I totally agree. I want to loop back to the testosterone equation here. Now, I think our levels, from what I've seen, have been decreasing so substantially, even over a short period of time, like maybe even over 50 years, it's decreased substantially. Testicle size is going down. Is it stress? Is it uh, environmental factors like plastics and other stuff that's like, what's going on? What's this assault on men's testosterone levels? And why is it so dramatic for the modern guy today to have lower levels? Well, I mean, the thing is, our bodies are really smart, right? Our bodies don't make stuff that we don't need. So if you're a hunter and you're out on the wild plains taking down buffalo, you need a lot of testosterone, right? Because I've been to Yellowstone. Those buffaloes are big. 
And if you want to take one of those things down, you're going to need a lot of testosterone. Now, if you're a farmer, farmers still work hard, but they're not taking down buffaloes, right? You, you still need a fair amount of testosterone, but not as much as a hunter. But if you're, uh, you know, working behind a desk, you don't need that much testosterone, right? Why would, if you're, you're the human body and the human body is just brilliant, um, why would a human body bother wasting energy making testosterone if you didn't need it? Right. I mean, there's other stuff, you know, people putting laptops on their testicles and, you know, like when we're working at night or, you know, plastics and all that other kind of stuff. But to me, it comes down to our lifestyle. And, you know, if you work out, I mean, my testosterone's over 800. Nice. And I don't, you know, I take a testosterone supplement that I created called Support, which has DHEA and DIM, which is an aromatase inhibitor and some ashwagandha and some tankarali. Nice. Um, but other than that, I, you know, I don't, but, you know, I try to get a good workout in every day and, and, and try to sort of be, live my life with an intensity. And I think that's, that's part of the reason that my body makes more testosterone. Nice. And I know it's a nuanced conversation around testosterone replacement therapy. When someone comes into your office and they're maybe interested in this and their testosterone is at a certain level, maybe they're presenting with certain symptoms, like what's your philosophy? And when do you start having these kinds of conversation with guys? And like, when do you feel like it's applicable for guys to be on TRT? Are there any blanket statements you can make about this? Or is it really just super individual with every patient? You know, it's, it's really, really super individual, but I've, I've become much more enthusiastic and liberal about it. So when I was, uh, uh, you know, a urologist working in an insurance-based office, my goal was to get testosterone into an quote, normal range, you know, five, 600, right? But why be normal? And to be perfectly honest, it really didn't make much of a difference for people. Uh, and then I started working with BioT and I was getting guys testosterone up to 1,000, 1,100, 1,200, and it was amazing. You know, men really need that jolt of being up around 1,000, 1,100, 1,200. And you know what? It's really, knock on wood, it's not dangerous. It's actually really, really beneficial. So the downsides are if you have aggressive prostate cancer, you shouldn't be on testosterone. If you have a really big prostate and you have trouble urinating, don't be on testosterone. If you really, really care about your hair, like if you're Fabio and you really need your hair to be on book covers, don't take testosterone. Uh, you know, if I had one patient who just didn't like that oily skin and acne that he was getting being on testosterone, that's pretty much it, right? People like, oh, am I going to beat someone up at a bar? <laughs> no. I mean, did you beat someone up at a bar when you were 20 and your testosterone was 1,000? Probably not, right? And so, you know, you might be more aggressive at work, but that's probably a good thing. And, you know, a lot of, I work with a lot of police, fire, corrections, those kind of guys. And like, I have a whole bunch of patients who are on SWAT teams and they're chasing after guys who are in their twenties, whose testosterone's a thousand and they're all amped up on methamphetamines and whatever else they take these days. And if your testosterone is 400 or even 500 or sometimes even 600, you're at a big competitive disadvantage if you're trying to take down someone who, you know, is really aggressive. And it's almost like, uh, I see it as like a, a occupational hazard if your testosterone is not 
high enough. And so, you know, I'm starting a performance enhancing drug uh, program. I just created a, a 35 page ebook that explains because there's so much ignorance out there. It's unbelievable. I had a patient the other day who's infertile and his testicles aren't working because he took 10 years ago, some product called Muscle Max or something like that, which was a 19 nor and 19 nors knock out the the um, HPTA, they shut the, you down hard. Yeah, the the hypothalamic pituitary tes- testicular axis, right? So, but he didn't know. You know. Like it was a commercially marketed product. He popped it in his mouth for two months, and I mean, he's suffering the consequences for the rest of his life. So, really, I wanted to educate, and I'm going to put it on my website. If you go to my website, brandismd.com, and go to I have a section under media for ebooks. I have a whole bunch of ebooks. I just love cranking out educational content. So I have ebooks on testosterone and performance enhancing drugs and vasectomies, circumcisions, you name it. I got ebooks on there. Uh, and I really want it's that there's so much information out there and there's so many names, you know, people taking DECA and Winstrol and uh, and I wanted to to understand it for myself, but then I wanted to educate people so that you didn't make a decision when you were 19 or 20 or 21 that would have lifetime effects. Yeah, it's certainly something. I mean, for fit fathers listening to this, many of them may have kids around that age where there's more pressure to take anabolic steroids like DECA and Winstrol. And I also want to like just loop back to, you mentioned BioT, which is a pellet, correct? Yeah, it's a pellet. That's a pellet that people can have that time releases testosterone. So that is an option prescribed through a doctor as well as some creams, injectables, et cetera. And it sounds like you find that using pellets are just easy for adherence. And like when you do TRT with people, so let's speak to that. You know, okay. So, so creams, creams don't work all that well. Okay. Cream will get your, your testosterone up around four or 500. So, you know, if you have a history of prostate cancer and you want to be back on testosterone, I'll put you on a cream because I don't want your testosterone to go too high. Right. The reason to use shots is because it's inexpensive. But the problem is it's a synthetic testosterone, testosterone cypionate, and you get peaks and valleys. Right. And so you inject it once a week or twice a week or once every other week. But the thing is, that pattern of doing something once a week, once every seven days, there's nothing biologic about seven days. Right. There's day and night, there's a 365 day year. You know, there's seasons, but there's like God didn't create seven days. Well, I guess he kind of did, but but like there's the biology doesn't work on seven day cycle. So either you want something that that works in 24 hours. So we have our circadian rhythms, right? So your testosterone peaks in the morning by three, four o'clock in the afternoon, you need a cup of coffee because your testosterone's dropped 15, 20% from the morning. That's why when you check testosterone levels, you got to check it first thing in the morning because it's going to be at its height. If you check it in the afternoon, it's going to be probably low. So when you're peaking and troughing once a week, it's like, it's just not like biological. Whereas if you're, if you take the pellets, first of all, it's a human identical testosterone. And second of all, it's a continuous release. So at least you have a thousand or 1100 continuously. And then after about five months, it starts to drop down. Then we pop new pellets in. Takes me about five minutes. People hardly feel it. uh, And it works 
incredibly well for my patients. And you're not jabbing yourself in the butt with a needle, you know, every once or twice a week, right? Or every other week. That's yeah, that's an adherence thing for sure. And I think a lot of guys don't understand about all these therapies is they're meant, once the decision is made, they're meant to be used like continuously keeping your stuff in level range. You know, I, I've had personal friends in the family that have been on TRT and then they just kind of like fall off it and stop cold turkey and then they're suppressed and then they're, they feel lousy afterwards and then they feel like they need to restart. Whereas, you know, pellet seems like a good option. Yeah, but they got, they got to read my book. Okay. Because the thing is you can actually do it in a way that doesn't suppress your access. You can either take um, HCG or you can take something called Clomid, which actually works just as well as HCG. You can keep your fertility, uh, you also need to be an aromatase inhibitor, so you can use a DIM. I rarely use something like an astrozole because estrogen is really good. So guys need to understand that we have both testosterone and estrogen in our bodies, right? Just different ratios. So like women have testosterone, but we have 20 times more testosterone than they do, right? And we have estrogen usually at low levels, but if you boost testosterone, so this is what a lot of people don't understand is... Men are from Mars and women are from Venus, right? But the difference between the testosterone molecule and the estrogen molecule is only one hydrogen, right? So the smallest unit of matter is the difference between men and women. So it's easy for your body to flip testosterone to estrogen. And guess what? If you're obese, it happens in the fat, right? That's why you get those man boobs, okay? So another reason not to be obese. Um, so it, it's you got to be really, really smart to mess with mother nature, right? Don't, I, I had a patient the other day uh, who was getting Winstrol and a bunch of other like DHT derivatives and, and high doses of testosterone. And I'm like, who are you getting these from? You know, what doctor? He's like, well, I don't have a doctor, but there's this guy in the, in the, in the gym, Big Mike. The, the Winstrol dealer. <laughs> and Big Mike knows a lot about yeah. this stuff. And actually, like Big Mike inspired me to do my performance enhancing drug ebook um, because I'm like, you know, I need to know more than Big Mike and I need to help my patients know more than Big Mike. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a huge thing right now. I know many people over 40 aren't as connected to like the fitness culture, but if you're a kid in your 20s right now and a male or female and you're hopping on Instagram, like it's performance enhancing drugs are rampant right now, not even just for professional athletes. So this is cool. And I'll make sure we link to your website so people can check out all the ebooks. All right. So I want to, I want to keep the, you know, the framework of this rapid fire. Talk to us about sleep and how important sleep is for the entire cascade of male health and anti-aging and all that. Like, what are your thoughts on that aspect of health? Yeah. So, you know, I don't know that much about sleep, you know, so my book, the 21st century man, like, I guess I'm a smart guy. I got a lot of fancy diplomas up on the wall, but I don't know everything about everything, but I do know a lot of people. So like, I know Dr. Mike Murphy, who's a professor at Stanford in ear, nose and throat, and he's a sleep expert. So he wrote the sleep chapter. So my, the 21st century man is such a good book because it's got national experts in all of these different disciplines, like I don't write the chapter on cardiology. Joel Kahn, who's a you know a nationally known cardiologist, writes, writes that. I don't know much about hair replacement. Miguel can obviously, Miguel Canales, uh, you know, who helped develop the Artaz hair replacement robot, wrote that chapter. So you know, I have experts in all of these different fields writing these chapters. But uh, you were asking me about 
Sleep. Yeah, 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 sleep. And, and at least what you do know about circadian rhythm and how you approach it with, with patients. Yeah, so sleep, one, it's important. It's more important than I ever thought it was the more I learn about it. Uh, and there are really three phases. Well, okay, so there, I'm going to take two tacks on this. One, there are three phases of sleep. First is just kind of settling down. The second is physical repair. And the third part is psychological repair. Right. And so if you're not getting enough sleep, you don't get the physical repair. So you can work out all you want, but you're not going to build muscle because you're not going to get that physical repair that occurs during sleep. And, you know, you can kind of get psychologically messed up if you're not getting sleep. And, you know, really interesting fact that I learned when I was writing the book was some guy went 60 plus or 70 plus days without food. Right. But the longest anyone's ever gone without sleep is 11 days. And then they died, right? So like, is it six times more important than food? I don't know. Maybe that would suggest that it, that it really is. Or, you know, you certainly, you, you need it more than food sometimes. So that's sort of, and the other really important thing that happens during sleep is you get nighttime erections, right? So anytime you dip into REM sleep, that dream sleep, you should be getting erections, okay? And when you stop getting nighttime erections as frequently, that's your first sign that you have cardiovascular issues. 10 years after you develop issues with waking up in the morning with an erection, you're going to develop erectile dysfunction. And 10 years, yeah, 10 years after you develop erectile dysfunction, you're going to have a heart attack or you're going to develop some form of cardiovascular disease. So let me paraphrase that just to make sure I understand and everyone understands. First early sign, you lose your morning wood, or at least it's not as frequently. And then from there, 10 years later, this is cardiovascular disease is setting in because it was kind of starting creating that. Then 10 years past that, it could be a major cardiovascular event and that could be your life. So, I mean, God is giving you 20 years. That little alarm of like, Geez, I'm not waking up in the morning with a with the morning glory anymore. That's your 20 year warning. You got to do something. Stop smoking. Stop drinking so much. Start exercising. Start eating better. Watch your cholesterol. Uh, you know, figure out how you can manage your stress better. You know, all those things. Mm -hmm. That's what I was going to ask you. It's like how much of this is psychological versus like physiologic through the cardiovascular system? Obviously, a mix of both to some degree, but what do you see? Like, if you have to throw percentages on this, even if they're not like research stats, like for guys who are experiencing, like, there's a, there's a guy listening to this right now. He's like, holy crap, I haven't had a morning erection in years. Or last time I remember, like, where does a guy start to unravel this? So, yeah. So, I, I want to explain a little bit about the vascular. So, the, the blood flow to the heart goes through the coronary arteries. The coronary arteries are three to four millimeters in size. The blood flow to the penis goes through the internal pudendal into the penile arteries, which are one or two millimeters in size, right? But it's a, it's a cylinder, so it's pi r squared. So the blood flow to the heart, first of all, it's the first thing in your body that gets blood. But second of all, it's going through blood vessels that are four times the size of the blood vessels that go to the penis, which is at the end of the line of circulation. So, you know, what's going to fail first? The penis is going to fail first, right? Because it's 
it's at the end of the line and it's going through little blood vessels. And you have to maintain a high blood pressure in order to trap venous blood in the penis in order to maintain a rigid erection, right? That's why erectile function goes before the heart, right? And it's about 10 years, Give you know, depends on what study you look at. But I, I, I like making things simple and I like kind of rules of thumb. So it's 10 years. So if you get erectile dysfunction, you better get your ass into uh, your primary care doctor and maybe your cardiologist. So I, I send a lot of my patients out for what's called a heart calcium scan, right? It's just a, it's a CAT scan of your heart and it looks at how much calcium you have in your heart. And you'd be surprised. I have guys, you know, when they come into my office and they're 45 or 50 years old and they have a family history of heart disease, you ask them, you know, like, does anyone in your family died early of heart disease? Well, you know, my uncle actually died of a heart attack at 48. Ah, but you know, he was a smoker. He didn't really take care of himself. Like, no, you know, I'm going to send you for a heart calcium scan. And I've picked up a lot of guys with underlying cardiovascular disease that were probably lying to themselves about their erectile function. And a quarter of men, the first sign of cardiovascular disease is death. Yeah, yeah, that's a scary stat. <laughs> like, you don't get a second chance often, right? So, I mean, if your morning wood isn't what it used to be, realize it's a circulatory issue. And if you're experiencing erectile dysfunction, 10 years from now, it's going to be your heart. So it's really, it's time to do something. And it's interesting because like the same kind of diet and lifestyle that promotes that atherosclerotic plaque and the stiffening of those arteries with calcium is the same diet that makes you more susceptible to cancers, right? I mean, inflammatory diet, high blood sugars, stuff that's messing with the immune system. I mean, it's just kind of like, it's not surprising we have this cascade of both of those things happening and affecting men in such a substantial way, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So what do we do? What do we know from the technology side of things as a effectively a technologist and a physician in this field? What are you using that's actually helping men with ED or just even making gains to performance? Maintaining erections, size, girth, assuming that we've made lifestyle changes and we've like improved diet, sleep, exercise, and we're improving cardiovascular function, we know that's good. What are things that guys can do, whether they're able to visit you or other, you know, on-the-edge practitioners that have technologies? What's important? Yeah. So thank you for that question. I could talk for like six hours about this, but I'll and it's like the sections in the book and the chapters on this are just amazing. Really, really amazing and really, really fun to read. I mean, you know, like I like to read fun books. I don't like to read boring books. So I wanted to write a book that was really fun to read. And so, and, and that's the feedback that I'm getting from all the people that, that are reading the book is it's very accessible. It's, you know, it's written for smart people. I'm in Northern California. My patients work for Apple, Google, Facebook, Lawrence Livermore Labs, Oracle. So, you know, I'm, I'm writing a book, you know, it's not a C-spot run book. But it's accessible if people really put some effort into it for everyone. So, okay, here's my algorithm for, for erectile function. First of all, you have to work on the signal, okay? The signal for blood vessels to open in our body is nitric oxide. 
Nitric oxide is a molecule that's released by nerves and makes something called CGMP, cyclic GMP. Cyclic GMP creates a cascade that opens up blood vessels. And as you get older, the amount of nitric oxide that your body makes, the endogenous nitric oxide declines. So at the age of 50, most of us have less than 50% of the nitric oxide we did when we were young. So it's kind of like turning the dimmer switch down 50%. You can still read. You can still do most of the stuff you used to be able to do. Maybe not as good. And you don't realize that there's 50% light in the room. But if you boost nitric oxide, so for example, I have a supplement called Affirm, made by Affirm Science. And what it is, is citrulline, which turns into arginine, which releases nitric oxide, and also beets, which contain nitrate, which turns into nitrite, which then turns into nitric oxide. And your body gets 50% from citrulline and 50% from nitrate. Okay. And so if you boost nitric oxide, then you open up blood vessels. Okay. But the blood vessels can't stay open forever. So you have a different enzyme system called the PDE system, phosphodiesterase system, that closes blood vessels by reducing cyclic GMP into an inactive form. Okay. So when I was at UCLA, one of my friends and one of my professors discovered that there's an enzyme that's only in the penis called PDE5. And if you block PDE5, like with the, the Pfizer drug called sildenafil or Viagra, then you maintain your supply of cyclic GMP and keep blood vessels open. Okay, so I make sure that all of my patients are on a nitric oxide booster. And the amazing thing about nitric oxide is, one, there are no side effects. Two, it helps with your blood pressure. I get a lot of my patients off their blood pressure medications using nitric oxide. It helps with athletic performance. So most bodybuilders and elite endurance athletes include nitric oxide in their pre-workout and post-workout stack. It's good for immunity. It's good for brain function. So don't forget nitric oxide. I put a lot of my patients on PDE5 inhibitors. So there's one, Tadalafil, which is generic Cialis, right? You take it every night before you go to sleep. Boom, you get nighttime erections, right? You get better blood flow to the penis. You get better elasticity of the penile tissue, right? So it's easier for you to get an erection. Okay, so now that's, remember I said that's the signal. Now we got to deal with the pipes, the arteries, right? What can we do when our arteries start to get clogged? And that's, you know, that's what really interested me in regenerative urology is low intensity shockwave therapy or gains wave or, you know, it's acoustic wave therapy. It's called a million different things. But basically what it does is it tricks your body into thinking that there's going to be damage to blood vessels. And in your body, when there's damage, you get a healing response. And part of that healing response is to grow new blood vessels. So think about it. Some, someone bombs a skyscraper. The skyscraper falls to the ground. First thing you got to do is to get rid of the debris from the skyscraper. So you got to build little roads in there, take out the debris. And then if you want to rebuild the skyscraper, you need more roads to bring in all the new supplies to rebuild the skyscraper. Well, in the body... Those little roads are called blood vessels. So low-intensity shockwave therapy tricks your body into creating this inflammatory healing response, which causes the release of growth factors and stimulation of stem cells that causes the growth of new blood vessels. Okay, collateral circulation. Now, on top of that, we use something called platelet-rich plasma. 
Platelets are like amazing cells in your body. Like no one really gives platelets the, the credit that it's due. So when you cut yourself, the platelets hone to the area of injury and form a clot. But in forming a clot, they also release all sorts of growth factors. And those growth factors are the reason that the tissue grows back when you cut yourself. Right, So what I can do is draw someone's blood, spin the blood down, take out the red cells, take out the plasma, isolate the platelets, and then you can inject it anywhere in the body. So a lot of athletes will use it for knee cartilage regeneration or shoulders. I have personally, yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's not a miracle, but it accelerates the healing process. A lot of people use it for hair growth. I, you know, I played around with it for a while just to see if it would work. And it, it improved the density of my hair about 30%, right? So that's not going to do very much for me. I'm never going to look as good as you. But, you know, it was a good experiment because I always have to do something to myself first to convince myself that it works. Like I did shockwave therapy to myself. I've given myself pee shots. I've done stem cells. I've done all sorts of stuff just to convince myself it works because if it doesn't work on me, why would I ever give it to one of my patients? And the P-Shot is the PRP for those listening, correct? Exactly. So the P-Shot was developed by my friend Charles Runnels, uh, who is crazy enough to inject himself in the penis with, with uh, platelet-rich plasma first. And so he does the P-Shot, the O-Shot, the vampire facelift, all that kind of stuff. Nice. Okay. So quick recap for those listening, right? We need to work on nitric oxide, which you said citrulline with the betaine from the beets. And you combine that. And I'd also add maybe nose breathing and exercise, good ways to also increase nitric oxide. And then the PD5 inhibitors, Viagra, Tadalafil, now Cialis is working in the penis to help make sure that it's not constricted and we actually maintain the blood pressure to maintain erection. And now we have the gains wave to help clean up the vessels along with the PRP. How often do guys need to do that? Is it just a couple sessions? And like, how long do the effects last? And how much does it cost? Like for someone who's actually legitimately really interested, how would they proceed? Yeah, yeah. No, those are all great questions. And and there again, it's a little bit individualized. So for example, a, a guy in his early 50s that's having erectile dysfunction and just doesn't want to, you know, wants spontaneity, doesn't want to have to take Viagra or Tadalafil or has side effects or other reasons they can't take it. You know, usually six treatments, you know, my office, six treatments cost about 2000 bucks, and that should be good to get you for two, three years, right? If you had a 65-year-old guy who has been taking Viagra and it's not working so well anymore, then, you know, maybe nine treatments and maybe a P-shot on top of that, and maybe he'll come in once a year for some maintenance. And so maybe I will charge 3000 bucks for that and, the, and, and a little bit more for the P-shot. And then someone in their early 70s where, you know, even if they take high doses of Viagra or Cialis, it doesn't work anymore. You know, we can usually get those guys back to where those high doses of those medications are working. But that usually takes about 12 treatments and maybe one or two P-shots. And that's about 4000 bucks plus the P-shots. So, you know, that just kind of gives you a rough framework of, of what you can do. You know, you can't take a 70-year-old guy and make him into a 20-year-old guy. That's, you know, you have to set proper expectations when you're working with folks in terms of what's possible. Is it fair to say in your experience that were someone to take their nutrition very seriously and their exercise very seriously and maintain well condition and do all the things that we discussed that someone could have hard erections and good sex into their 80s, 90s and up to the point where they die? You know, I had a patient, Mr. Pappas. On Mr. Pappas's 80th birthday, he did 1,100 push-ups. Wow. 
he broke Jack Lalane's record. You know, when he first came in and told me that, I'm like, all right, well, let's go. And man, that guy was just amazing. <laughs> you know, I, I can do about 30 push-ups, 35 push-ups, and I'm out. And he just kept going. So yeah, uh, there's genetics involved in it. So, but if you have good genes and you take really good care of yourselves, I mean, there there are three-year-old cars that I see on the roadside broken down and they're 50-year-old cars that are still running really well because people take good care of them and they were good cars to begin with. So, you know, it's about how we take care of ourselves. And, you know, that's the really interesting thing is when I'm working with a younger guy, you know, say I get a guy that comes in and he wants a vasectomy or something like that, and he's 35 or 40, and I put him on my body composition machine. And I'm like, dude, you know, you're 30 pounds overweight and, you know, you're, you don't have enough muscle. And I said, you know, your 60-year-old you is going to look back at your 35-year-old you and say, dude, what the hell were you doing? You know, you had the energy and you had a little bit of time and and you should have been taking better care of, of us at that time because now I'm 60 and I'm really fat and I'm on my third knee replacement and my uh, my second heart stent and you know, my life sucks. I don't, I, you know, I can't travel and I have erectile dysfunction. And, you know, why weren't you taking better care of the 35 year old me? And that's, you know, when you're 20, when you're, when you're in your twenties and thirties, you can get away with stuff, right? Like I remember, you know, going out all night with my buddies and then I'd show up the next day for, for work as a resident. And, you know, you could just, you could get through the day and you could do what you needed to do but I'm going to be 55 in a week and there's no way I could do the stuff that I was doing when I was 25 or 30. You know, I mean, it would take me three days to recover. Mm -hmm. And so the damage you do sometimes is in your twenties or thirties or younger. And the, the 60 year old you is going, why did you do that to me? Yeah. That's powerful perspective. And I think we could even reference that if you're in your forties right now, think about when you're going to be turning 55. Like, I think that's, it's a message of reality. That's a really good check. And there's also a message of hope underneath that. Cause we've seen people in the span of a year, you can lose a hundred pounds, build muscle, get off all prescription medications. If you're really focused and you dial it in, like we've seen it happen. Oh yeah, man. You got some amazing before and afters on your website. Yeah. What people can accomplish in their fifties and even sixties and even seventies with focused effort, like high intensity exercise, good diet, proper supplementation, sleep, and dedication over a course of 12 months can astound you what you can accomplish. It's not easy. And the margin for error is certainly as smaller as we age. But also, I, I think it's really unique that we have you on here to, to, to learn that there are actual medical technologies that can truly help. Now, in the realm of erectile dysfunction, for sure, hormone optimization, fixing joints, whether it's PRP, prolo, stem cells, whatever else we can inject now, like there's options if you're willing to get serious about it. And certainly guys like you, they can come see you. So I want to transition out to like someone listen to this and they're really interested in your work. And I know you mentioned that people fly out to come see you. Tell us a little bit about Brandeis MD and if people are interested where they can check your stuff out, see your supplements as well. I know you have those. Like, Tell us a little bit about that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I love educating men and I love educating physicians. I, I fly around the country all the time. I was in Nashville this past weekend. I'm going to be in Dallas this weekend. I'm going to be in Denver weekend after I was in New York two, three weeks before, You know, just teaching large groups of physicians about 
um, muscle building and M-Sculpt and sexual medicine. Um, and I put a lot of that stuff up on my YouTube channel, which is Brandeis MD, and I have a bunch of playlists. I put it up on my website, which is BrandeisMD.com. Uh, it's all in my book. Everything that I know and everything that my friends know about men's health is in my book. It's over 900 pages. It's 101 chapters. And it's, you know, it's a product of really caring and working with men for 25 years. And also sort of my own personal journey and the things that I've learned about myself at that time. You know, it's not, a lot of men's health books are just like exercise, food, and sex. For sure. But we're way more than that, right? So there's a whole section on mental health. There's a whole section on relationships. I mean, relationships are so important that the Harvard Longevity Study, which we really didn't even get into, is the most important study on men's health ever done. It's a 75-year study that looked at, took a group of Harvard students and a group of age-matched guys from kind of the, the south side of, of Boston and just followed them and their kids and their kids' kids and their health and their happiness. And what they found is relationships are the most important factor for health and happiness in life. It's more important than taking an aspirin a day or, you know, whether you take your heart or, or CoQ10 or any of that other stuff, peptides, right? The quality of your relationships. And so, you know, this book has amazing chapters by therapists on relationships, um, uh, on lifestyle, all sorts of cool stuff, aesthetics. So definitely if you go to the 21stcenturyman.com, that's where you can find the book. You can find information about the book. You can find samples of the book. You can read about all the other co-authors that helped me write the book. And then I have a men's health supplement company called Affirm Science, A-F-F-I-R-M science.com. And we sell a nitric oxide boosting supplement. We also sell the testosterone supplement that I was talking about. We sell a supplement for premature ejaculation, which is a huge problem in men that no one really ever talks about. And then I have a prostate health supplement, of course, because I'm a urologist. <laughs> nice. Nice. So we will throw links to this stuff in the show notes so people will have this available. I'm looking at a table of contents while you say, you're no kidding. It's over 900 pages and it gives the gamut of everything you'd probably want to know. So amazing resource that you created too. I don't know if I've seen a book quite like this that's pulled the other 50 doctors plus your own expertise. So really cool. And But you know, the thing is, okay, just real quick. I can't stand when I read a book that's like 300 pages. And at the end of the book, I'm like, that was like two pages of information. Like you could have really written two pages. I would have paid you the same for the book, but I would have saved like so much time. But I promise you, because I wrote or edited every single word in this book, like this is a 900 page book that could have been 5,000 pages, but the fewest number of words it could have been was 900. And you don't have to read all 900 pages, right? Like you don't have to read the hair loss chapter. But everyone is going to relate to at least a dozen chapters in the book. Yeah, I can see that for sure. I'm looking at, I see I see mine too. Even on addictions, I know we didn't get into that, but that's a huge part of, of, of well-being, especially as we age. So, Oh yeah, huge. Thanks. You're welcome. This was, I mean, we may have to even have you back. I mean, I feel like this was a two-hour podcast that we probably got in the least amount of words into, into, into one hour. <laughs> I'm an efficiency freak. What can I say? Yeah. No, this is good. We got in. I know some people are going to have their gears spinning on writing these things. And what I recommend for people who are listening is like, go follow these links. 
start to do some of your own research on these things and, and start to explore. And thanks for coming on, Dr. Justin Brandeis. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Cheers. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Fit Father Project Podcast. If you love what you heard, please rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts. It really helps spread this show to more men who need this valuable info. To watch full video episodes of this podcast and other motivational videos to inspire your training and more, visit our Fit Father Project YouTube channel. It's free and everything's made for busy guys over 40 like you. Visit youtube.com forward slash fitfatherproject to get access to our entire video library. And finally, if you or someone in your life is interested in becoming a fit father or needs help losing weight, building muscle, and living healthier after age 40, then visit fitfatherproject.com where you can see our proven programs, supplement line for guys 40 plus, and free meal plan and workouts to get you started. This is Dr. Anthony Balduzzi signing off. I'll see you in the next episode.